Welcome back to Flyover Film Country. I'm Isaac Sims. I'm Olivia Clement. And I'm Eric Pham. 2022 is here. We got new artwork. We got new snazzy theme music. We're getting off to a really good start. And Eric's back with us. Woo! Howdy, folks. Woo! The chillest member of the pod. Literally, <laughs> there's no insulation in his room. Yeah, it's, it's cold. It's very cold right now. <laughs> If you want to see uh, Eric's get up right now, watch this episode on YouTube. It's he he looks both stylish and cold. What's the what's that. the temp in uh, the fort right now, Eric? Uh, probably low forties. So it was a lot colder this past weekend. It's actually this is kind of warm for this time of year. <laughs> That's about temperature here in Little Rock as well. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, Walter. Olivia, What's up? Eric, how's everyone doing right now? Man, I'm good. I'm, yeah, I'm good. I uh, I ate my dinner so fast because I thought we were going to start right at six. <laughs> and then we didn't. It's my fault. So now my stomach's making weird noises. Yeah, sorry. I'm right. going to be eating dinner while we're recording, not on mic because that's not good etiquette. <laughs> but um, what kind of pizza is it? It's white chicken Kroger brand because I'm a cheapskate and it's actually really good. Kroger no, brand. Kroger is brand good. is good. Kroger and Walmart brand frozen yeah. pizzas are actually they're actually very solid. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. They're really good. Um, y'all ready to do this? Oh yeah. Is there is, are there any like notable updates or anything like that before we should get in? No, we can do all that at the end. Yep. Give yeah. them leave them wanting more. That's yes. right. Yes, that's how we do it. Yeah. Um, this episode. Uh, Per the title, we are covering our top 10 films, respectively, for um, each of us. Yeah, Walter, you're going to, you have like a list, right? Yeah, I'm going to do, I'm I'm taking more of a backseat on this episode, so I'm not going to go as in-depth on mine. Um, But after everybody gives, you know, talks about their top 10, I'll give my top, I think it's only nine. I think I can only come up with nine. (laughs) So um, I'll do like a lightning round version of mine later. Perfect, perfect. Um, me and Eric and Olivia have our top 10 films. There's some overlap, but there's, um, quite a variety of movies. So we're really excited to just talk about some of our favorite things from last year. Um, so buckle up and get ready. And then we are going to do a a special also lightning round of various categories, such like, such as performances, most disappointing movie, that sort of stuff in the later half of the episode. So, that should be really fun too, because we're gonna really blaze through them, and we're gonna have hot takes and argue, and it'll be fun. It's gonna be lots of heat, so <laughs> to warm up Eric. Let's but you know go. what? Do you know what? If you can't take the heat, stay in the kitchen. Down. Get out of the kitchen. Uh, speaking of heat, Walter. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Let's uh, talk speaking about of that. heat, me and Wal- me and Walter are gonna do uh, our first um, Flyover After Dark. We're recording next weekend, and it's going to be Michael Mann's 1995 Cops and Robbers Masterpiece Heat, mm-hmm. and it is wow. going to be wild. Yeah, we honest, it's going to be really, really fun. We might have to like break that into two different videos, because yeah, because it's how long is it? Like three hours long? It's a three-hour yeah. video, and I feel like you and I will have a lot of really, really yeah. funny. Content. I think we're going to cut into two on that one. Yeah, yeah, but I'm excited. So, I like how you said you guys were going to 
save announcements. <laughs> we're just to getting right into it. <laughs> just live, live. That's really live. that's really all we have on the docket. So honestly, like it's, I think it's, it's okay our podcast, so we can do it exactly, with Olivia. It. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, all right, who's starting us off, Eric? Eric. All right, let's see what we have. So first off, I would like to say. I did not watch very many movies this year in the theaters. I saw like two or three movie theater movies in the theater. And I kind of really just challenged myself to not watch just traditional blockbuster movies. Um, so a lot of my list are probably indie movies and movies that general audiences will probably not have seen, but a lot of the movies are also easily accessible um, on various streaming platforms. So just a little uh, throwing at that out there before we jump into my list. So my first movie on my list, and this is 10 through 1. Um, so my number 10 is a Taiwanese drama um, that came out in 2020. It was one of the biggest movies um, in Asia that year. It's a movie, a little movie called Little Big Woman. Um, it came out on Netflix early of 2021. And unfortunately is just sitting on Netflix and I don't think a lot, not a lot of people are watching it, but it's a Taiwanese drama, a very similar story to like the farewell. Um, the main character, um, is an older woman who's, uh, learning to grieve, um, over the death of her husband. And she has three daughters as well that go along through this journey with her. Um, I just think it's a, pretty pretty great story about uh the family dynamics particularly over in asia whenever a family member like the father of the family dies so it's a great insight into that kind of culture and i just think taiwanese cinema is something that deserves more attention from from film lovers um so that's my number 10 little big woman nice, nice. good pick Good pick. Yeah, that sounds really, really cool. And you said it's like The Farewell? Yeah, it's very similar to The Farewell. Um, Tiger Tail as well. Um, we watched that those one are, this past year. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, those are yeah, good movies. Yeah, Taiwanese so. cinema, they just, the movies, they have this intimate and romantic feel to them. And I think it's, this is a one that's come out recently that is available on Netflix so anybody can watch it. Nice. Eric, do you only watch things that make you cry? I actually I feel like, don't. I feel like every time I'm like, what's, what's Eric watched? recently and i feel like you're kind of in that mode yeah i don't mind a good it's like really emotional i don't mind a good crying it's the uh it's that time of the year i guess yeah that's true we we love guys who are secure enough to to cry yeah Yeah. yep we love it olivia yes let's move to your number 10 all right so with my list i picked movies that came out either last year in 2021 or came out in 2020 but i didn't get to watch until 2021 because of theaters. So, uh, so my first or my number 10 pick is the matrix resurrections. It was so good. I, I love that movie. It was so good. Um, Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss, Carrie Ann Moss forever. And that's all I have to say really. So that wasn't great, but I don't know how to explain it in a way that, (laughs) is easy to explain so easy to understand i believe yeah i believe your letterbox review is like to every like my my 
your letterbox review said something like if you don't like it then suck it up or <laughs> yeah it was something, <laughs> something like, like that. let the haters hate or whatever yes, like yes, it's yes. a it's a it's a movie that rocks it's super fun uh if you like the matrix you're going to like this i think like yeah i've seen where people are like this is like they're selling out or whatever it's like okay they're really like on the nose about a lot of things in the movie, yep. but that's purposefully, it's purposefully done. And I think it's done in a way that like few other movies could have done. Yep. It's, so. it's extremely meta in a way yes. that I really appreciate. And it's a critique of reboot culture and remake culture and legacy mm-hmm. sequel culture. Like um, Tron is one that comes to, to mind um, and I know that there were more that, that came out recently. That Tron movie was, is extremely underrated. Yeah, yeah, I I feel the same. But the I the Matrix is not in my top ten, so unfortunately we don't have overlap there. I did like it a lot, and I mm-hmm. knew as soon as Jonathan Groff said our parent company Warner Brothers wants us to make another Matrix game because yes. in the movie Neo is a game designer and he's trapped in the Matrix again. I knew that I was like. So many people are going to hate this and so many people are going to love this. And I, it totally worked for me. Uh, I just, just really, really like so many things about, about the matrix. Also, Jonathan Groff is so good. He is so good. He's so good. Underrated. Maybe he's Um, not underrated. I don't know. I think he's underrated. I'd love to see him in more roles like, like, um, agent Smith moving to my, uh, top 10. Uh, we we agreed to kind of work together to take on this episode and address like some of us saw lots of movies from 2021. Some of us saw or a, a lot of us watched things that weren't from 2021. And so we agreed to, anything that we watched in 2021 was free game for this episode. Um, but my list is strictly movies from last year and coming at number 10 is Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's directorial debut starring Andrew Garfield about Jonathan Larson. Um, I love to be proven wrong by musicals. Um, Walter and I infamously discussed that we don't like musicals on our Nightmare Before Christmas After Dark YouTube video. And everything about how Jonathan Larson wrote music works for me. He was very inspired by Sondheim with a very modern twist and Garfield's back to back performance, um, or of the eyes of Tammy Faye, tick, tick, boom. And the amazing and Spider-Man no way home. Um, what really, (laughs) (laughs) um, really he, he is tied with Timothy Chalamet for me this year as like the, the actor who won 2021. Um, I love this movie. I'm really glad. I like this way more than um, the other Manuel project in the Heights that came out last year. Um, this this movie is really clever. I thought he did a great job directing it, and yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome. And Garfield's um, pitch for a uh, a I think it's like a fat substitute uh, pill or something like that in a in a focus group meeting of Chubstitute is like the hardest I've laughed at a, at a joke in a long time. So tick, tick, boom is my number 10. Eric. I'm, I'm glad oh. to hear that Andrew Garfield is getting kind of like a, a comeback. Um, 
I've I really enjoyed his performance in uh the social network out of like all the mm-hmm. performances in that yep. movie I think he was he was probably one of the the best one or my favorite one um so it's pretty cool and yeah. he had a Hacksaw Ridge's southern accent was like so over the top but I still also enjoyed his performance in that one too yep yep he's great in that movie as well yep a- okay Eric, my number nine, yeah, your number nine is a. Uh, does anyone else have Dune on their top ten? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All, right. All of us do. Great. Nice. A commonality. Um, I mean, it's Dune. I think uh, everyone knows what this is about, obviously. And it was, I think this was like one of the three movies that I saw in theaters this year. I mean, it was the theater experience, I believe, for twenty twenty one. Um, and I'm really excited to see Dune Part Two. I don't know what else there is to say about Dune. Um, yeah. Really, My only. I, sorry. Go ahead. I think uh, this really solidifies, and I think this isn't a. I, everyone says this, but it really solidifies uh, Villeneuve as like the the modern day science fiction storyteller. Um, I would I would like him to to take on uh, an original story uh, and go back to like something like Arrival, uh, because of course Blade Runner is a franchise. And this is going to be a franchise uh, because I also really enjoyed like that small, unique story that Arrival was. But I mean, you, this was Dune, and you know, you knew what you were going to get with him at the helm. So absolutely. My only real critique, and I'll say just a little bit, and so we'll speak a little bit longer on yeah. Dune because all of us have it on our list. It's my number eight, I believe. It's my number eight. No way. Wait. Yeah. No, sorry. It's my number seven. Oh. <laughs> So close. You just changed that up just now. So, so we'll add we'll add several <laughs> minutes uh, to allow us all to talk about Dune. But um, I was in a really bad mood when I saw this movie, um, and the reasons for which I won't get into. But I saw this on uh, IMAX um, at Channel Nine, and this movie is just absolutely gorgeous. But I was because because of my current emotional state, I was f- frustrated. Um, just with what was going on. Uh, but it, I, this movie's just so cinema. It's like pure cinema. Um, it's so good. It's the, if it had color, if it had more color, um, it would just be unstoppable. But like just the sheer vastness of these deserts of Arrakis are really, really wild. Arrakis. Great. Quizat's Hot Rock. So many great yeah. lines. Yeah, a lot of great words and lines in that movie. Um, so, Baron Harkonnen by Stellan Skarsgård, one of my favorite uh, performances. <laughs> Coming up as a rhinoceros out of this big black pool of goop. Anyway, um, Olivia, this was on your list as well. Yeah, it was... My number eight, um, I had it as, sorry, my is making weird noise. Um, yeah, I, I echo everything that you guys said. I, I wrote on my notes, it's new Star Wars and spices. And, um, I can't get over how attractive this cast is. Like everyone in this cast, I mean, Skarsgård is not look great, Skarsgård. but <laughs> Skarsgård I'm sure I mean, there's a population of people out there that idolize him. Sure, yeah, for sure. I mean, Skarsgård looks good normally <laughs> and has very attractive sons, so he's doing yep. something right, you know? 
But uh, yeah, I wrote down new Star Wars and Spices. Timothy Charlemagne, Zendaya, Oscar Isaac, and Rebecca Ferguson are also spicy. Uh, but it's it is really like the movie itself is is really interesting. It draws you in. I remember at the very beginning when it said Dune Part One or whatever. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And and so I knew that because of that, it was going to end on a cliffhanger. But I remember going like as as it ended, going that can't be it. Like yep. I need to know more. And so so it's inviting. You definitely want to know more about what's going to happen. And so I'm very excited to see what happens next. Um, and I also was in a bad mood when I watched this, actually, <laughs> probably for very different reasons. Because we had specific like because when you buy your tickets now, you get your own seat, like a signed seat. And there were people who sat in our seats, <sighs> but. We didn't want to, we were already kind of late. The Like oh. trailers were already going, like the movie hadn't started, but the trailers were going. We didn't want to make a big deal about it. Um, we were only going to make a big deal about it if like we, the seats we had chosen were someone else's seats and they were like, those are our seats, uh, which I don't think happened. Like no one came up to us and were like, hey, you're in our seats. So hopefully it was a domino effect. domino effect. Yeah, it was just a do- yeah. domino effect. Um, so anyway, so where'd you just, sit? Were you like craning at the front no, row to see we the went, sandworms? We went in like the middle of the day on a Saturday or something like that, and so there weren't that many people there. Um, but we were like to the left of the screen when we should have been like kind of towards the back in the in the middle, yeah. which is where I love to sit in the theater. So I was kind of pissed about that, but oh well. The movie was fantastic. Yep. Worth worth my annoyance for the <laughs> seating issue. I think it so. solidifies Chalamet as like a like a true star. I don't, I don't know. Like I, like he he was star material before Dune, but I think it really solidifies that like he's a leading man. Like he will lead movies mm-hmm. like this in the future. Yeah. Um, I so. think that was the first movie that I've seen Chalamet in in like really? a starring role. I don't think I've seen him in anything else. The, I mean, so he's he's the main character in A Beautiful Boy, and then he's also the main character in Call Me By Your Name, which I haven't seen, and for my own reasons, I refuse to watch, just because it, it. The weekend's seems... music video, or no? Dang it! Dang it! I, <laughs> I was like, not the weekend. It was Lil Nas. Dang it! Just I'm gonna take a lap real quick. Just uh, go take a lap. Hit and miss. It's all right. Yep. Anyway, uh, which I want to clarify, it has nothing to do with the fact that it's like, it's a gay love story. Nothing to do with that. But it has uh, everything to do with the fact that Army Hammer is in it. Well, sort of, yeah. It's just, I, it just feels gross that he, his, Charlemagne's character is a high schooler and Army Hammer's character is like, I don't know, in his mid-twenties or something. Like, it just, it feels predatory. So. It, yeah. It sucks. I mean, I don't know if that's the word to say, but I enjoyed <laughs> Army Hammer in the Social Network as well. I think I think he he was probably my second favorite performance in it. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember so. talking to some coworkers earlier this year. Where I was like, we haven't quite reached the point where we're like fully canceling him quite yet, and it was like the the first wave of news like. Hey, Army Hammer did this to me, or like Army Hammer. For me, it was still like Johnny Depp territory. We can and then still like say his couple, name. 
Yes, and then a couple yeah. weeks later, I was like, okay, no, he's like done. Like everybody's dropping oh, him he? from their movies, and yeah, except no, he's, he's like, gone. he's gonna that. be in a new movie. He's he gonna is, be in but he got dropped on the from. Nile. Yeah, he no, he's, he's in that, but that I think it was title. I think it was too far gone for them to do reshoots. But he got dropped in um, another movie. I think Taika Waititi's soccer movie. Will Arnett, he, I think, is replacing him in that. That is a very interesting casting choice. Yeah. He was but, in something that Miles Teller ended up replacing him in, and I can't remember what it is now. The Godfather Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one, what it right? is. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, we talked about that. Um, anyway. So, let's... Dune. Uh, Dune. Dune. So good. Love it. So, that Loved was... Love to me. Eric's nine, my eight, Isaac's seven. And it's my yes. turn to talk about nine, right? That's correct. So my nine is Bo Burnham's Inside. And again, haters can say what they want. I know people are like, if you're one of the most annoying people, you really like Inside by Bo Burnham. <laughs> Whatever. If that makes me annoying, so be it. But I really think that it, it encapsulates the dumpster fire that was 2020. And just... The roller coaster of emotions that that we all experienced, uh, Bo perfectly captures that, um, and, and so I enjoyed it. I enjoy the soundtrack. I still listen to the soundtrack um, yep. every so often. And then one of my favorite musicians ever, Phoebe Bridgers, covered one of the songs, which I also saw where people were like, "Oh, great! The most annoying fan base in the world now has." Uh, <laughs> access to the most annoying films yeah (laughs) and so it's just like all right everyone apparently thinks that phoebe bridgers and bo burnham are annoying and i guess i'm annoying because of it so well i'll take it i say to them uh what i what we would say to the matrix resurrection haters haters gonna hate haters gonna hate like their tiny little baby brains can't comprehend (laughs) it and the the wise words of taylor swift haters gonna hate 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 yeah yeah so um, inside is my number nine. Eric, did you see inside? I did not. And uh, how do you feel about Bo Burnham? I don't know who he is or why he's what he's famous for. Nice. He nice. directed. He's famous for Vine. He's Vine. he is famous for Vine. You probably uh, did see his vines. Okay. He also directed Eighth Grade. Don't do you know remember if I know movie? that movie? Don't okay. know if I know that one. Is that a coming of age high school? Eric's movie? on another yes. level. I yes. might have seen that or heard of that. Seen the movie poster. Walter was going to say something, but he was muted. So he's still muted. He's still um, muted. <laughs> what's your favorite song from the track, from the soundtrack? I really like 30 because, man, do I feel that. Not quite 30 yet, but even at my old age of, of 27. All of my friends are getting married and all of them are having stupid kids. Yep. So now if any of my friends who have kids listen to this, your kids aren't <laughs> stupid. I love your kids. It just yep. feels weird that we're old enough to have kids and it not be the end of the world. We're still kids. I, we, I just we looked up kids. Bo Burnham and I do remember this guy. He looks yeah. like uh, one of the dudes from Smosh as well. He does. Yeah. Look, yes, he does. <laughs> um, I don't know if that was racist or not, but <laughs> I said it. My favorite, my favorite Bo Burnham vine is the uh, 
hey jesus could you pass me some water and he like throws a bottle of water and he catches a bottle of wine and he goes jesus you jesus <laughs> so good wait well, can y'all hear me yes okay, now, now we can okay yes. now i'm in i don't know what what happened um i was gonna say bo burnham i know i don't want to besmirch his name he's like oh he's just some vine star he he's i think he got his he got known on vine but he has since become a very accomplished stand-up comedian yes um, of course i was being that's his sarcastic when I said yeah you, yeah don't don't be reductive of bo burnham also white guy coming to white guy's defense like <laughs> <laughs> no but i love i love uh i i think that bo burnham i think inside will be very like very fondly remembered for especially for creatives like like how difficult that mm-hmm. time was where we couldn't or not we <laughs> like putting myself into that category because like we totally like collaborated all the time uh, over the internet but like people like recording artists and and um, graphic artists and that sort of thing who could not collaborate with like right. their teams um, and it's this it was just this really gr- like grueling look at this process of when you're trying to create something by yourself for other people that is supposed to be collaborative and he was mm-hmm. completely by himself and it really speaks to his talent at the end of the day but man like it's it is really sad watching yeah. it there's some there's some kind of like loss that you feel um yeah at the end of it so um my number nine is the power of the dog this is jane campion's first film in five ever um I've only seen one other Jane Campion film uh, in the cut. It's really good. Um, but the synopsis of this movie, the Netflix movie, is um, charismatic rancher Phil Burbank inspires fear and awe in those around him. When his brother brings home a new wife and her son, Phil torments them until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. This is a drama that plays like a thriller with a very good cast Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst, and Cody Smith McPhee as um, Kirsten Dunst's son. So few dramas are like this to where you don't know what's about to happen. There's an underlying sense of unease. All of the performances are really, really fantastic. Benedict Cumberbatch, um, especially, is really good in this movie. And will definitely be nominated for an Oscar. Um, I, j- I really like when dramas take you to places that you don't expect. And this is, that's the reason why this is on, um, on my top 10. And also the, the direction's really good. Um, and this movie was filmed in Australia, but it's supposed to be set in Nebraska. And it's truly, truly gorgeous. It's so gorgeous that you're like, there is no way that's Nebraska. Like she is an Australian <laughs> um, director, but um, so you knew that she, she probably filmed there. Um, but it's just a really, really amazing um, world that you're swept into. Nice. Okay. I, I didn't see that. Um, but if it's on Netflix, I'm sure I'll watch it at some point. Did you see it, Olivia? No, I wanted to watch it. I just never got around to to watching it. So I definitely want to watch it 
because of the cast, because of the director. So I hearing that that you really enjoyed it and hearing your review of it, Isaac, makes me want to watch it all the more. Same. Yep. Same. All right, we are on number eight. Eight. Uh, let's the see what Ocho. I got here. Ocho. Oh, okay. So this is a somewhat controversial movie for some reason that I can't, I don't know to this day, but it is Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, there was a lot of like funny discourse going on mm-hmm. on this movie. A lot of people getting canceled over it, but um, <laughs> of course. Uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this movie. Um, it's takes place in like this fantastical world. Obviously there's, uh, numerous kingdoms that make up the land. Think like, um, game of Thrones where there's their own traditions and governing rules, um, throughout each kingdom. And one day, uh, this evil is unleashed on the world and Rhea, has to save the world. I just enjoyed it because I didn't have any kind of expectation for this movie. It's been a long time since I've watched a Disney animated movie. Um, I don't know the last one I watched before this one. And I was just completely caught off guard by how well animated it was. Um, it has some of the best 3d animation that I've, I've seen. And I, it's something that I would not have expected from Disney. Um, the voice cast is really good. Um, it has, Kelly, Kelly Marie Young, of course. Um, uh, I'm really glad to see her get this role after what happened with Star Wars. Um, and it has just an all-star cast. Aquafina, of course, playing the last dragon. Um, it's just a really great Disney movie. And of course it's a little heavy handed at times at the, the message and meaning behind the movie, but it's still a great message and it's definitely worth a watch if you haven't seen it. Haven't seen it, but I have to know, does Aquafina talk like Aquafina, or is she like very yeah, as a regal you can dragon. you can tell it's it's just Aquafina yeah. just talking like Aquafina, but it's nice. it helps with the character because um, it's a big old dragon uh, with an yeah. Aquafina voice, so it's very comedic um, and nice. actually makes sense. Nice. Well, my number eight was Dune, and we've already discussed it. So moving on to iDog, what is your number eight? My number eight is West Side Story. Is this on anyone else's list? I haven't seen it yet. Cool. Um, yeah, this is this is a remake of the 1961 classic that is 100% warranted. Um, a lot of people were afraid that Spielberg was going to drop the ball, and he does anything but justifies its existence. Kind of, kind of makes this cinematic in a way where the 1961 film feels like you're watching a play. Uh, a lot of the times, especially in the moments where you're outside, if you can tell it's a stage and that took, took me out of the movie, um, when I watched the original, um, yeah, everybody's dirty and sweaty the whole time and I love it. Um, every, everybody from, uh, Corey Stoll, um, to Rachel Zegler, outstanding performance from her. Um, was this her first major like role or was this her first role? So this was her first major role um, and her casting in this movie kind of led to her being cast in many other things. Um, Mm -hmm. She's going to be Snow White in a Disney remake. Yeah. Um, It's upcoming. She's going to be in Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods, which I'm so excited for. Um, 
and she's just really, really amazing. My one complaint with this movie is, um, it looks amazing. It is, is true. Like, again, this is the, to put into perspective, this is the second, I have two musicals on, on, uh, my top 10 list. And I was so blown away by how beautiful and engaging, um, this movie is. I just really wish that Alden Ehrenreich was playing the role of Tony instead of Ansel Elgort. Um, yeah, cause he's par- canceled. Partially because he's canceled and partially because I, I think that Alden Ehrenreich would have been a greasy, sweaty, um, yeah. jet much better. <laughs> so yeah, what, fair. uh, I feel like he's been in another movie besides Solo, but I can't remember it for the life of me. He's he's got some stuff up. He was coming, in Hail Caesar. That's the one that I was thinking mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All okay. Right. Seven to Eric. Seven. Oh, okay. Back to me. Uh, my seven is the Suicide Squad. Nice. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this movie. Um it was another one of the few movies that I saw in theaters and I was really glad that I got to see in theaters because the action scenes are so well done. Um, and it was a great theater experience. The audience was really into it. Um, it's always fun being in an audience that is active, um, and responding well to a movie. I think that just helps elevate the movie even more. Um, I mean, it's James Gunn, and I have to give a shout out, of course, to all the people that tried to cancel James Gunn, and some may have succeeded in canceling him because we ended up getting this movie because Disney booed him off of Guardians for this, or then DC picked him up, and now we're also getting Guardians 3, so um, really glad that we we got this movie from James Gunn. I don't know if it could have worked um, with anyone else besides James Gunn because DC was, they (laughs) they had some strikes coming up to this movie. Um, and of course the performances were all really good. I really enjoyed Idris Elba. Um, mm-hmm. it, it blows my mind to this day that Marvel had Idris Elba in like five <laughs> different movies and you can barely tell that it's him. And he's has like three total lines um, <laughs> yep. in all the movies that he's been in it because yeah. he's one of the most charismatic people. Um, whenever you see him on screen, he's, mm-hmm. you don't really pay attention to anyone else. You just see Idris Elba and the character he's playing. And John Cena really, really enjoyed his performance as well. I might have liked it more. Um, I do have a favorite quote for this one um, from the character of Peacemaker. It is, I cherish peace with all my heart. I don't care how many men, women, and children I need to kill to get it. Um, Pretty amazing character. And I really cannot wait to watch uh, the Peacemaker HBO series. I was about to ask you about that. That's coming out in what, the next week or two? Very soon. Yeah. I'm very, I'm excited for it. Yeah. It'll I'm be pumped. a lot of it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um the um I also wanted to to ch- chime in Peacemaker is one of my honorable or not Peacemaker. Uh, Suicide Squad is one of my honorable mentions but not in my top 10. Yeah. But, it was it was one of mine too. Um man, John Cena can act. He's like this awesome. movie this movie justified that he could. There's some key scenes that really really justify like people all the haters who say he can't act like he is a better actor than the rock i think (laughs) olivia you and i have talked about that before on some episodes in the past but um yeah uh daniela melchior's uh rat catcher 2 is the beating heart of this movie and oh my gosh she's awesome so so great this is a lot of fun this movie is really really surprisingly pretty heartfelt for a superhero movie um it is 
is a heartfelt and that's like the james gunn effect yeah um for sure and um i forgot what i was, I was about to say oh for, back to john cena yeah john cena it's it's crazy that when you see him on screen you're not seeing the john cena you're, <laughs> you're actually seeing the peacemaker character and when you have someone like john cena playing him and you don't see the actor but you see the character i mean that that shows how well um john cena can act and mm-hmm. he was pretty awesome yeah, yeah. i agree olivia all right, my number seven is Last Night in Soho. It is nice. Edgar Wright's, not his his first movie, but it's his first drama slash thriller. And I know that, I think Isaac and I have talked about this. Eric, did you see it? I haven't watched that yet. Okay. I know that it, like Isaac and I have talked about kind of the ending of it. Um, and I think something to keep in mind is it is Edgar Wright's first drama. And, you know, the rest of his movies are, are, are comedies. They're funny. They're goofy um, and kind of zany. But I really, despite all that, I still really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I think that Anya Taylor-Joy was made for the 60s. Like, between this and, like, seeing her in Queen's Gambit, like, just feels like she should be from that that time period um, or that decade. And I think she is a really good performance. Um, Thomas and McKenzie is really good in it as well. Uh, and I mean, it's an Edgar Wright film. So the soundtrack is fantastic. And so, and it's all that like British sixties music. And so it's, it's just really enjoyable. So last night in Soho is my number seven pick. So Isaac, what's your number seven? Oh wait, we already talked about yours. It's Dune. Yep. It's Dune. Um, real quick on last night in Soho. Um, the, this movie has some of the great, like some of my favorite shots in any uh, movie that I've seen, especially like the dancing sequences when she first meets Matt Smith. Um, I think Matt Smith is really good in this. Yeah. No, I just, yeah. Yeah. Not in my top 10, but really respect what he was trying to do. So Mm -hmm. Eric, number seven. Number six. Six. Okay. Ten. Blast off. Okay. Number six is uh, another Netflix movie (laughs) or a movie currently streaming on Netflix. Watched this a couple months ago. It was one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Um, It's a little indie movie called The Paper Tigers, um, directed by a Vietnamese director. Um, It's a pretty familiar story that we've seen told on screen before, but it's about these three friends um who in their childhood bonded over kung fu Um, they were taught by their master and fast forward to present day their master gets killed so they have to reunite and avenge his death um and of course they're old middle-aged not old they're middle-aged men now and they're all out of shape they don't practice kung fu um they haven't done it since they were like in high school. So they're like all washed up. So they go on this little quest to find out, um, who killed out their master. And I think it probably has the best action scenes that I've seen all year in a movie. Um, I'm going to go on a little rant here because, uh, it, it really triggers me when people talk about like action and they just talk about a movie that has terrible action scenes and it's just the effect that Hollywood has had on people and the audiences of 
pumping out a good action or action movie and convincing the audiences that it's actually well directed and choreographed action. I think this movie is um, when you watch it um, and actually see the action, it'll help appreciate help you appreciate what is actually a good action movie. Um, Eric, do you so when you say like kind of like the way Hollywood kind of pumps out like blockbuster action yeah. movies? Do you mean like the way it's like the choreography of the fight yeah, or, so, or like the way it's shot and like yeah. edited. Cause so, I, I feel like it's both probably. Right. right? Yeah. It's, it's definitely both. And there's a lot that goes into that. Um, that's a good question. But, um, the most common thing that I see that people say is good action. And then they bring up a scene. Um, I think of like people saying like, a there's a Marvel movie that I think is consensus good. Oh, winter soldier. They're like, Oh, winter soldier, best Marvel action movie. Um, the action scenes like, they do this thing where they're the camera is like right on someone's torso and you can mm-hmm. barely see what's going on. You can't mm-hmm. see the face. It's just extremely zoomed in and there's the shaky cam. There's like no wide shots and mm-hmm. you cannot see like the body of the person in one frame. It's just jumping all over the place. And it's just a common thing that Hollywood has done in their big blockbuster action movies. Mm-hmm. And it's just super commonplace now. Um, but here you can actually see there's so many wide angle shots. You can see both people, any, any, everybody involved in the action scene. The camera is just completely still. It feels like you're like there just sitting there watching it, mm-hmm. and which is like the best thing you could say about an action scene. It is like a key defining element of an action scene. So there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there, but yeah, that's minor rant. No, we can, I feel like I, yeah, I feel like we should talk about that in more detail on a, on a later episode. Cause yeah. I, I am really fascinated by that particular topic in yeah. regards to action movies. Uh, obviously we don't have enough time to go yeah, into that right definitely. now. So, but paper tigers, uh, Netflix, indie movie, amazing cast. Um, it, it, great action. So, okay. Very nice. Cool. Love an indie action movie. All right. My turn six, right? Yep. Six. All right. I have Spider-Man No Way Home as my number six. Uh, we we did a whole episode talking about it. Uh, we talked about it a lot on our Hawkeye finale episode as well. Uh, I, I don't know what else to add to it other like outside of what we've we've already mentioned. Um, so th- I guess this is my way of plugging our previous episodes. So if you haven't, go listen to those. But I, I it's. It, it really just taps into the nostalgia of, of Spider-Man, of anyone who's been a fan of Spider-Man. It, um, I think it gives Tom's Spider-Man probably a really like satisfying character arc over the course of, the, of his trilogy that I, that I think that a lot of people were like, he's not Peter Parker, he's not the real Peter Parker or like the real Peter Parker in the comics. And, and we finally see him become more like the comics. Um, but again, He's he's a version of Peter Parker, and this is the MCU's version of Peter Parker, and so we but we see him become more similar to the comic book version. So um, anyway, I'll just say I I really enjoyed it. It was very similar fan or like theater experience to Avengers Endgame, which was super cool. Um, so yeah, that's I, I don't I don't really know what else to add to that. Um, was that I know it's on Isaac's list because I saw his list. Eric, have you seen it yet? I haven't seen it, um, but I've, I've I know what happens in it. Yeah. Um, At this point, you can't you yeah. can't be on the internet and not see it. <laughs> right, right. Um, I, I'm I'm really glad that it lived up to people's expectations. Um, 
and i i'd have heard that the theater experience is pretty amazing kind of bummed i yeah. missed out on that but glad to hear that it was good yeah no i really enjoyed it um i feel like i don't know i feel like eric you would because you've seen all the other spider-man movies haven't you yes um uh, I actually think- yeah i rewatched the raimi trilogy kind of earlier this year actually i had no idea this movie was coming out this year um yeah are those I, your I favorite spider-man i i don't love them but they're they're fun movies um yeah yeah. I, yeah I think i think i'll do like the toby Maguire one the best and yeah. Yeah. the amazing spider-man ones they get crapped on a lot for some reason and they're not terrible movies either yep well they, two two kind of is yeah oh yeah, but, I, I, yeah I did i watched two for the first time on uh it was on tv I watched like half of it. It was terrible. Yep. Yeah. It's well, visually it's, or no, when well, we talked about this on our Spider-Man episode, uh, we're just, yeah, just go listen to it. Uh, it is my number four, partially because of the nostalgia, partially because mm. the performances, these performances are really good. Mm-hmm. McGuire's great. Garfield pretty much steals the show. Um, oh. and yeah. Are they you know, in if, the if movie that, like a lot? Are they like actual, like, would you yeah. say they're main characters? Hey, you just, Eric, you, you just, just gotta go you just gotta watch it, man. Oh, you just gotta okay. watch it, bud. It's, Y'all it's do worth. That to me now? You will. Yeah. I think you'll come away like if you like all of the other ones, fine. Like I think you'll come away glad that you watched this. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So, not can't can't say too much because we gotta we gotta <laughs> make sure you get an unadulterated experience. I mean, but yeah, it's it's just hard to get me in a, to sit down and watch anything over two and a half hours these days. That's fair. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, it's a fun theater watch if you do. Uh, yeah. If you are able to go catch it in theaters, so. for sure. Um, my number six is a little horror movie that ended up doing pretty good um, as far as popularity last year. It's called The Empty Man. I've heard this was really good. It is. Um, it is directed by David Pryor, who did. Um. Oh, I thought I was. I mistakenly thought that he did. Um, some he did a documentary about the making of The Fly, but I mistakenly thought he also did The Dark and the Wicked, which is another horror movie that came out a couple years ago. But this movie is really inventive um, in the way that it films kind of this detective investigating a cult who is uh, that is um, involved in the disappearance of different people, takes you to places you don't expect. Um, James Badgerdale, who has been in, he was uh, in Iron Man three, and he's been he's just like a he's a really good working man in Hollywood. Working man, exactly. That's exactly the phrase I was about to use. He's been in Flight, The Departed, Thirteen World Hours, Wars, World War Z, Thirteen Hours, The Gray, Only the Brave, Hold the Dark. Like he's been in so many. He's so prolific, kind of like in the background or kind of shows up. Um, he is really good in this movie. And is he the main is, character? He's the main character, and this movie is very creepy. Like, very, very creepy. And I watched it twice, actually, because Jessica and I started it. She fell asleep, and when she woke up and we went to bed, she said, so did you like it? And I said, I think I loved it. Like, I think I actually loved it. And she's like, dang, well, we'll have to watch it tomorrow. Come fast forward to Saturday night. We turn it on. I watch it again. She falls asleep like at the exact same time that she fell asleep in the movie the night before. So please go watch this. Such a fun horror movie. 
Did you rent this? So is great. it streaming anywhere? Um, it is on HBO Max, actually. Nice. Okay. Yep. So you can check it out there. So that's my number six. All right. Yeah, I've I was uh, I listened to the Bloody Disgusting <laughs> podcast, and I think they did an episode on this, and I didn't um, listen to it, but I've heard like so many people have said this is like one of the best horror movies of the year. All right, my number five. Oh, okay. So this was one. I watched and uh, this was I don't know I think it was one of the most anticipated movies of the year it is a documentary there are a lot of great documentaries that came out this year this one was really heavy to watch um, this was Val the A24 Amazon studio produced documentary um, about Val Kilmer oh wow. yeah. yeah this one was yeah it was I uh, still haven't seen it streaming I on to watch that yeah, it's on Prime, on right? Prime. It's um, if you don't know what happened to Val Kilmer, I think it was like three or four years ago. Um, it was revealed that he had throat cancer. He pretty much lost his voice. Can't really talk these days very well. Um, so it kind of chronicles his life. Um, a lot of it focuses on his life after like stardom. Um, throughout his whole career in Hollywood, he pretty much videotaped everything he did like behind the scenes, um, ever since he was a little kid. So like a lot of it is using a really amazing, like firsthand archival footage filmed by Val Kilmer. Um, and I, I'm not a person that really like idolizes like Hollywood actors, but Val Kilmer was someone from like my childhood. He's played so many like amazing iconic characters, like mm-hmm. of heat, of course. And, Doc Holliday, uh, Iceman, yeah, yeah. Ice, um, and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He that's probably my favorite role he's in. He plays this de- detective called named Gay Perry. Amazing. I have y'all seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? <laughs> no, I really want to. <sighs> okay, yeah, yet. it's it's really good. Val Kilmer, amazing in that that role. But um, this is just a really um, amazing look into Val Kilmer's career and what kind of gives us insight into what what life is like um for hollywood stars after the kind of like the curtain sets um it's narrated by val kilmer's son who is an actor himself and it's it's creepy how much he sounds like val kilmer Mm -hmm. um there's one scene in it that it was really hard to watch like it was probably one of the only scenes i had to like turn away from this year it was just so emotional even if you're not a fan of Val Kilmer or his movies, I think it's, it's still worth a watch. Really amazing documentary. My favorite documentary of the year. So that's my number five. Nice. Yeah. All right. So my number five is Nomadland, which actually came out in 2020, but I didn't get to watch it until this year, um, which did pretty well uh, on the award circuit. Which I know that doesn't always mean it's a good movie, but this movie is about a woman in her 60s who who basically loses everything and is really struggling to get by um, after the Great Recession. Great Recession, and she ends up just kind of packing everything up and and going on a journey throughout, um, like across the country, and lives basically as a modern day nomad, and. It's directed by Chloe Zhao, who who we love and who just became the second woman ever to win Best Director uh, at the Oscars, which is incredibly sad that there's only two ever. But she 
became the second one and also the first of uh asian descent which is really cool really amazing um francis mcdormand is in it she plays the main character uh fern is incredible francis is is just an awesome actor and so um I, I just really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it's it's beautiful and sad <laughs> and relatable, and, which is weird because I have zero desire to ever be traveling like this in any capacity. I have zero <laughs> desire to be like a, a nomad. And, and not that I think that necessarily a lot of people do, but I, I like am being in my one spot, but sometimes, you know, life life sucks and you have to kind of figure out what to do and and this is what some people have to do and i think it it raises awareness of of things that of of lifestyles that people have to have to survive and and i had never thought about this i never thought about people going through anything like this before and so All in all, it's it's a great movie. It's on Hulu as well if um, anyone wants to watch it. So I've I've seen some of the shots. I haven't seen yeah. the movie. There's some I've seen some shots and stills from the movie. It the, the photography looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, yeah. I, I me, there's some like landscape shots of the sky. I'm mm-hmm. if, is, I'm thinking of that just look mind blowing. Yes, I'm trying to think. I'm trying. Great to movie. Yeah. Best picture winner. Yes. <laughs> I, I chuckled when you said it did pretty good on the award pretty circuit. Good. And I was like, "Yep, <laughs> it destroyed I mean, picture winner." Yeah, and she the, won best director. And yes, Francis McDormand won. So the cinematographer was Joshua Joshua James Richards, who he he did God's Own Country, The Writer, which is another Chloe Zhao movie. He did Eternals as well. Um, okay. Anyway, so all in all, good movie. Ten on ten. Watch it. It's on Hulu. Nice. Isaac, nice. what's your number five? My number five is The Green Knight. Um, David Ehrlich, who is a critic I really, really respect, wrote this about it. Um, Hypnotic from its fiery start to its gut punch of a finale and polished with a hint of heavy metal that makes the whole thing shimmer in the darkness like a black light poster in the basement of your friend's parents' house. Very vivid. The Green Knight might ride into theaters on 600 years worth of unsettled history, speaking about the history of the book, but Lowry makes it feel brand new by resaddling it as a personal story about someone who's just trying to become the kind of man he can live with, even if it kills him. Um, the reason that, and I, uh, I want to hear Walter's experience about seeing this movie with <laughs> as just totally bewildered with uh, my wife and a couple other people um, who drove <laughs> down from Conway. Um, but the reason this movie is so meaningful to me is because um, this movie is about Dev Patel, um, Sir Gawain, struggling to, to, I guess, like grasp something great and determine whether or not he wants to be great or good or mediocre, or if he cares. Um, this movie is about ambition and the like, the terrifying nature of existence and love and setting out to discover yourself. And it's just really, it's just really meaningful to me at this stage of my life. Um, but it's also not pro. 
uh, masculinity. It's like very much interrogating the themes of what it means to be a man and, and uh, paints women in a very powerful light um, that I really appreciate. So I know this movie wasn't for everyone. It wasn't for Olivia. Um, no, but... I was I was just trying to think <laughs> through all the things you said and be like, I okay, I guess we could argue that. Which I, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I respect your opinion. I, I think that you are absolutely valid in that opinion. I did not enjoy it. That's okay. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Um, but yeah. No, this, anyway, this movie is a, this, it's a meditation on life, existence, ambition, love, and the inability to grasp any of them fully. So Walter, is, what, uh, t- tell everyone what you were doing like during the first 30 minutes of this movie. Can y'all, can y'all hear me? Barely. Barely. Can you hear me? Yes. There we go. Okay. My bad. Um, yeah, the, the, <clears throat> the only word that came to mind when I think about this movie is pretentious. <laughs> which I, I know it's an a24 like that's just kind of how it goes but i don't know i just i and i we were talking about before it started or before we started recording tonight about green knight and i was like i was like yeah i remember just like not enjoying it in the theaters and like memeing on it a lot but then like as time has gone on i hear people talk about it especially as y'all talking about it, i'm like maybe it deserves a second watch on my end i don't oh. know oh that's just me though. the rare that's second watch from walter yeah <laughs> yeah seriously i mean you're lucky if you get the first watch for me so you know this movie um as i was kind of like preparing for this episode this movie really did kind of rewire like i was forced to rewire my brain to watch it because they're just disp- they're seemingly disparate themes but nothing is unintentional in this movie at all um and it, it is one I will 100% return to. It might be my new Blade Runner 2049 that I watch every year just to kind of think mm. about where I'm at in life and, you know, uh, and reflect. It's it's a very reflective movie, and I really enjoy movies like that. So, anyway. Yeah, I, I definitely plan on, on visiting it probably here pretty soon. Is this a Christmas movie? Is this the one the game is called The Christmas Game? Or am I just thinking of something else completely? Um, I think so. It does take place, <clears throat> sorry, around Christmas time. Is it Christmas time or New Year's? I think it's Christmas time. The Green Knight rides in to the, um, into the hall with Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And he says, you must strike a blow and then I will That's be able right. to strike yeah. a blow come next year. Mm. Gawain cuts his head off. The Green Knight is still alive. He picks up his head and he said, one year hence, I'm coming back and I'm going to cut your head off and it's basically like this how how nature and time progresses and we fight against it as much as we can but we cannot escape it and we're going to die and it's kind of like Whoa. why do anything and like why have ambition what does it matter should you just love everyone um or should you fight should you steal like it's just really ah it's so good is, so is good. there I love, I love it I've seen I've seen this movie it has a lot of really cool looking shots as well. I think there's oh, some giants or something that I've seen. I think there I've seen giants. Pictures, so there's yeah. this, there's a I scene say, that, like that yeah. was the, that was the only like kind of saving grace for it for me was I mean just the set very pieces. beautiful cinematography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree with that. It's like um, it is the best looking movie of the year. I would okay. say, like like there it's colorful it's expansive it's fast it's 
wow. I just, for, for a while, this was my number one movie of the year. Um, and <laughs> Wait, sorry. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing yes, at you, the amount you of time. Are, you are. You I'm, need to just, you need to own no, up to it. That was like, no. she's really well-timed laugh. She's yeah. laughing at how I'm I, laughing. I held... <laughs> Yeah, I was supposed to keep time. We're supposed to spend about two minutes on each person's movie. We spent six minutes so far talking about talking about Green Knight. And this is okay, even your number one. It's own episode, then. <laughs> Isaac, Isaac, I'll, how about this? I'll watch it soon, Isaac, and we can discuss it. There cool. you go. I, sounds Eric, good. We'll do, I do our, we'll do our own podcast. There we okay. Go. All right. With blackjack and hookers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, not only. <laughs> okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, that's fine. You guys can talk about it. Eric, what is your, Eric, what's your number five? It's my four. Number four. four. Is, I was okay. like, wait. <laughs> Pre-spoiler for my next four <laughs> movies. They, they're going to be hard to talk about or give synopsis of without like revealing too much about the story if y'all haven't seen it. So I'll be light on the synopsis. So hopefully these will go fast as well. Uh, my number four is Malignant. <laughs> I oh, had, nice. This is a movie I had like no expectation for either. Um even though it was from James Wan, the king of modern day horror and inventor of modern day horror. Um, it, this was not really traditional James Wan horror movie. Um, his wife, I won't talk about the plot, but there's a really cool story about his wife and her helping him with elements of the story. And if you watch the movie, I don't have any of y'all seen malignant. No, I haven't seen it yet. All right, so um, there's some cool plot elements that are done in this movie, and his wife helped him um, with writing that. So it's James Wan horror movie, definitely worth a watch. Pretty divisive movie this year, though, but I enjoyed it. What I'm is, excited. Yeah, I'm excited to check it out. What is James Wan's wife's name? Because I feel like I've Ingrid only ever Bisu. Okay, I was gonna say I feel like I've only ever heard her Mrs. referred Wan. to. I, I was waiting <laughs> for someone to say that. <laughs> Uh yeah, I, all I saw on the internet or like on Twitter was James Wan's wife, and I'm like, she has a name. Yes, it's, but I it's, never uh, looked it it's up. So Jamie, it's Jamie too. <laughs> I I'm I'm done. I'm leaving this podcast. This is my retirement. Oh my gosh. So. All right. Okay. Yeah, it's your turn. You can't my leave yet. My number four. My number four is Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, it's about uh, Fred Hampton and the Black Panther movement and about the man who betrayed him and got him killed, essentially. Um, and uh, it's just, it's got a great cast. I mean, uh, Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya? Kaluuya. I always say Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I knew I said that wrong. Um, both Dan. Daniel won an Oscar for his performance in this. Lakeith was nominated. Just, I mean, they they are the kind of actors that I will watch anything that they're in. Like they they're just incredible. And in addition to to those two, you've got Jesse Plemons, who we've already talked about uh, briefly. Um, you know, the great value, Matt Damon. Yes. Uh, but he's also how dare you. <laughs> He's how dare I, he's, he's not actually, great value. He's Matt. not be a better Matt. Damon I think than he Matt is. Damon. As far as like looks are concerned, that's I think what people are referring to. I think. Wow, you became really judgmental on this podcast. You're making fun of me for Green Knight. You're making I didn't make fun, fun of, of you for Green Knight. You you 100 are. 
I did not make fun of you for Green Knight. I disagree you, you with your opinion. I laughed at Walter, <laughs> not you. Anyway, this moving on. This movie's about ambition and, and okay, <laughs> all right. I mean, uh, no, you're valid. You're valid. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you a hard fight time. Fight you, Isaac Sims. Uh, but I will, anyway. I will fight. He's not great value, bad David. Keep going. I think Oswald anyway. made up that name on him. Uh, Dominique Fishback is in this movie as well. She's fantastic. And I didn't know, I didn't realize this until I was looking at this. Dominique Thorne is in this movie and she is going to play Riri, Riri Williams in Ironheart. And apparently she's going to be in oh, Black, she is? Black Panther 2. Wow. Oh, okay. Which I did not know. And I read a theory that this is how they're going to introduce her into the MCU. But anyway, I was just surprised by that, which we've already, I've already said this. We're not getting Black Panther 2 this year in the year of 2022. But anyway, right. this doesn't have to do with anything uh, related to Judas and the Black Messiah. I think this is a great movie. It's, it is a, it can be a tough watch, um, especially towards the end, knowing um, just the history of, the freaking United States and the time in which this movie was released, it, it can be kind of a hard watch, but I think it's, it's worth it. It's, it's fantastic. So yep. sorry to take up so much time, Isaac, you're number four. Was stole, wasn't it? I, I, yeah. And I stole some, uh, time make, making fun of you for making fun of me about the green night from <laughs> yeah. your, uh, juice in the black Messiah. But I do have something serious. I was going to say, um, in terms of it being a difficult watch, I literally stood up, once the credits started rolling and like yelled at the TV, like I was just so fired up mm-hmm. and angry. Um, and J Edgar Hoover is the, like one of the worst and most corrupt leaders to ever be in office. And mm-hmm. that's what I have to say about that. All right. Uh, Eric. Eric, number three. Oh, okay. My number three is, uh, another, I don't know if this is a horror movie, hybrid horror movie. Uh, Titan. Um, oh man, I can't yeah, wait to watch it. This was awesome. Um, these next three movies actually are like these three movies by far the three <laughs> best movies. Like the the first couple movies that I talked about, like they're all great movies. But these next three are like my my favorites, like favorites of the year. Um, I'll eventually like buy them on Blu-ray and revisit them for sure. Um, I watched Raw earlier this year. Um, Julia Ducournau. Uh, I'm probably butchering that name really badly, but awesome storyteller. Um, this one is another one I won't go into plot details a lot about, but it's uh, takes place in the firefighter, firefighter, fire, yeah, firefighters world. Um, her other movie, Raw, the primary setting was. A veterinary school veterinary school mm-hmm. i never thought i would ever watch movies with this kind of setting well <laughs> actually fire there are a lot of good firefighter movies actually in hollywood i take that back but this one france is just it, it's just a different world i guess um <laughs> over there the, these two movies raw as well i guess can c- kind of lump in here um with titan I, I think you saw that isaac um but this one really amazing uh easy watch there were actually some some really cool cool scenes and uh, i definitely need y'all to watch this so we can talk about it so that's my number three raw was one of my honorable mentions this year it's on netflix um yes man it's awesome it is awesome it is really 
<laughs> really violent and very um, cool. yeah the gore was freaking yeah. awesome I, yep the ending and it. i hear amazing kind of like ramps it up yeah. even more <laughs> so i can't wait to watch yeah, it titan is awesome awesome sweet gotta check it out olivia what's your number three my number three is the french dispatch i just feel like it's peak mm-hmm. wes anderson it's it's so different. Like the, the way that the storyline is set up is so different than your typical movie, which I really appreciate. It just, I, this movie is not for everyone and that's okay. I, I, it was not controversial in the sense of like, in the way we typically think about controversy, it was controversial in the sense of, of like whether people thought it was a good Wes Anderson movie or a bad Wes Anderson movie. Mm. And I really enjoyed it. It it was kind of it's the French Dispatch is a is a magazine publication in the movie and it the storyline is basically told kind of like a magazine is is written and so it's just it's just a little different and I really liked that. Um it was it was funny. The whole cast was really good. Um I I mean Everyone who has ever been in a Wes Anderson movie was in it. Uh, even people that I, I didn't even expect or didn't realize were going to be in it. Like uh, Scherzer Ronan was in it. And I was like, oh, I didn't know she was going to be in this movie because there are so many other people in, the, in that movie. Um, but yeah, it was it was a fun theater watch. So I really enjoyed it. Awesome. This is my number three as well, Olivia. Oh, okay, wow. Okay. The French Dispatch was a really special movie um, it, to to watch. I saw it at uh, the Riverdale 10 locally owned theater here. And so it just, it felt very much kind of alive and vibrant and, you know, something, something really special, um, kind of being reductive or uh, repetitive. But yeah, this, it's an anthology kind of broken into for like the the main setting um and then there are three stories that come off of it but it, it all kind of evolves around um the character of Bill Murray and s- who t- who gives a surprisingly like heartwarming performance uh especially in one scene where he bails Jeffrey Wright's character out of mm-hmm. prison um very kind of made me tear up a little bit mm-hmm. but yeah all-star cast Benicio Del Toro Adrian Brody Tilda Swinton Leia Sidhu, uh Francis McDormand Timothy Chalamet Jeffrey Wright Bill Murray Owen Wilson Lee Schreiber um oh. Elizabeth Moss Edward Norton Willem Dafoe Saoirse Ronan Christoph Waltz Jason Schwartzman Tony Revolori oh my gosh like so many great people <laughs> Pretty so much just many great in people Hollywood. yeah wow yeah. So. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I'm just await- awaiting the inevitable Criterion, and then I'll watch it. Yeah, it'll definitely mm-hmm. be released on Criterion. Also, I think out of all the movies that I've mentioned on, on, like so far on this podcast, like even with my top two, it's it's definitely the most colorful, which is hilarious to say that because it's like black and white part of the movie. Like part yeah. of the movie is in black and white, but it's still like super colorful. It's just got that Wes Anderson cinematography. Yeah that you know i saw people talking about about it and it's like even if you don't like it like he's doing something different than kind of the washed out feel that every Mm -hmm. other movie has and i mean at the end of the day like if nothing else you can at least appreciate that Mm yeah so yep 
it's it's, a, it's just, also I, 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 last thing I was going to say about it was like he he also absolutely loves the New Yorker mm-hmm. and I love I love movies that are about someone's passion for something mm-hmm. when it's made well like this is just his love of journalism and it's mm-hmm. and like he said in an interview a little bit ago like maybe a year ago he said this movie is going to be a love letter to journalists and it 100 percent is yeah it's a love letter to the new yorker and the store the sorts of eccentric and special and important stories that they write and um yeah love it love it love it love it nice all right is it me um it's, yep, you. it's your number two number two okay um i actually just bought this movie the other day but i saw it a couple months back <coughs> This was unfortunately lost in the sea of blockbusters that came out this year, but um, a really another horror movie. This one is called The Night House, um, directed by David Bruckner. Um, he's an up-and-coming director. I think he's only, well, I think there's only one other movie that I've watched of his, The Ritual, also streaming on Netflix. Um, this one is kind of a haunted house ghost story. And what I really love about this movie is the scares that are done in this movie are very creative and use really amazing sound design. I watch my movies turned up very loudly. So there were some scares in here that got me pretty good um, because the way that they use sound to to create those scares. Um, It's just creative uh, because we've seen so many tropes redone in in horror and i think there are some really uh, unique scares done um rebecca hall is the main character and she probably gives my favorite performance of the year um she's really great actress i don't think i've watched her in a lot of other movies but this movie she carries it for really well for it being a horror movie um really enjoyed her performance Uh, great movie i don't i think you can rent it um awesome movie night house nice david bruckner um is also helming the hellraiser reboot oh. that's coming out this oh. year and cool. hellraiser is one of my all-time favorite horror movies I it's just hellraiser. so so gross yeah. so atmospheric <laughs> um cool. man i just oh yeah I'm, I, I'm really excited for for the direction i think that they're gonna go with this new one so yeah yeah i did not know that i also love the hell Ra- or hellraiser um yeah you, you gotta check out not have you seen the ritual um no not yet uh, okay that one is really good the night house yeah this one of my favorite movies of the year um I, i'm really excited to see i did not know he's doing hellraiser i'm very excited for that so yep olivia number two my number two is minari which technically came out in 2020 oh, however okay. it was Actually, it was the first movie I saw at a theater here in uh, Oklahoma City. I saw it at the Tower Theater, which is a local theater. And um, they, I, I've talked about the Tower before on here. They they do a lot of uh, kind of indie movies. And so that's the only way I would have seen Minari otherwise. And uh, it was socially distanced and <laughs> it, it was, it was awesome. Uh, Minari, I think is, is a true flyover film movie. Yeah. Uh, like it's just, it's set in Arkansas, baby. It's set in Arkansas, filmed in Oklahoma. Like, uh, it, I mean, it hits for both, like all of us. I mean, both the States that, that we get, we live in. And so it's, I, I really feel like it's, it's 
a great depiction of of the American dream of of really, or, or what's kind of like the like what I think the American dream is, which is like you know working working hard and and trying to get what like build something and mm-hmm. and you see this this immigrant family really try to work and set up and and try to be successful and, and like ultimately uh because this story is based on the director's own personal experience oh, i can't think of what his name is now that i've said that the isaac, Lee isaac chung yes yeah. thank you guys i Booyah. knew one of you would know it um <laughs> Yeah, it's based on his his family and and his father, and it it just it's a beautiful story. And while it is, uh, like, is it Korean? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I was like, I don't yeah. want to. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, so it is in Korean the whole time, and you have to watch it with subtitles. But again, America is a, a melting pot with with tons of different languages and. And just because it's not English doesn't make it an American film. So, yes. Anyway, uh, great movie. Nice. Definitely wa- uh, yeah. recommend watching it. So that's my number number two. Isaac cried two? so hard watching Minari. Man, it just gets you. Golly, yeah. like um, the grandma. Yep. Oh man. The um, also I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Emil Rosari, I think is the composer for this movie brilliant mm-hmm. love he did kajillionaire he does um he does some other uh, soundtracks that are really really great um but yes love minari my number two is licorice pizza <clears throat> um, oh, okay. set in the san fernando valley in the 1970s the film follows a resourceful high school student who falls for a whimsical woman in her late 20s this movie stars Cooper Hoffman, uh, son of late Philip Seymour Hoffman and Alana Heim of uh, the band Heim. And this movie is like a, like running into the warm summer night, not knowing mm-hmm. what's ahead, but knowing that you are going to you're going to change your life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's effervescent. It, this is really beautiful. I felt like a kid or like a teenager with no worries while watching this movie. Um, this man, I just, this movie's really, really special. I want to hear what Olivia had to say. Cause I know that she watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's Alana Heim is, uh, uh, and Cooper Hoffman are both really funny, but Alana Heim will probably get recognized, um, at the Academy Awards. That's, I think that's the, uh, the weight, uh, of how good her performance is. This is her first time performance. She's so, funny can't take your your eyes off of her while she's on screen there's a scene where she goes in for a um for an audition and this girl, lady uh says you come in here trying to be sexy but you actually remind me of a dog a vicious french bulldog with a really jewish nose because she was talking about how her family is jewish and um man yeah i just i really really love this movie um i know that there was some some contention with the depiction of uh, two Asian characters um, that mm-hmm. I want to address, but Olivia, I want to hear your thoughts about this movie before I do that. So it's funny that you you mentioned this movie because I I love this movie and I need to like uh, I saw where some people were like this is gross because 
it's a 25 year old and a 15 year old. And I realized just on the same episode of this podcast, I was just talking about how I will never watch Call Me By Your Name because (laughs) of the age difference. (laughs) So I haven't, I I don't have a reason to say like why this is better because I don't think it's better. I think think it's gross. That being said, I love the Hyam sisters so much. I love Hyam, one of my all-time favorite bands. I saw them a couple years ago in concert uh, and I will see them again in May, which will be amazing. I'm so excited to see them again. And they're they're funny on stage. Like their stage presence, like as they're performing is wonderful, but as they're like kind of just talking, it would like they were funny. And so uh, Alana Hyam gives a great performance. Uh, Cooper Hoffman, man, he, you can tell he is Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Like his, some of his mannerisms was just, they were so similar to, uh, Phil Seymour Hoffman. It was, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed this movie and I, it, yeah, Isaac, whenever you were saying it feels like, you know, when you're a teenager and you kind of run into the, the hot summer night, not knowing what's going to happen, but knowing it's going to, it's going to do something and something crazy could happen or something amazing could happen, but it's gonna change your life. Like that's kind of how it felt. Like there was that feeling the whole time. Like I didn't know what was gonna happen. I didn't know how it was gonna end. Uh, and I don't, I still don't know how I feel about how it ended. That being said, it it was really good. Alana, there's a scene where Alana is at her house with her family. Like the whole Hyam family is there. Like her two sisters and the uh, people who play her parents are her actual parents and they like there's a scene where alana is just so mad at, at sd and she's just going off at sd and you can just see sd turn the corner and she just makes this great facial expression that that is like that's that's an older sister right there making that the expression it's just an expression i've made towards my brother too and um also i think it hits at uh sd's like base face that she makes whenever she's performing if you're a high fan, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but she's yeah. the bassist, right? You're talking she about the bassist. She is the bassist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, bass face. Yeah, yeah. the bass face. Yeah, she bass she face. just she just makes a, a great facial expression. Anyway, yeah. it's it's great. I still don't know how I feel about the ending, but I will whenever I come to terms with how it ended, I will let you know. Anyway, Isaac, what were you gonna say? Um, there, there is, a. this movie has come under fire for its depiction of, um, Asian characters, but, mm-hmm. um, when Paul Thomas Anderson, the director of this movie, uh, was asked about that, he said straight up, my mother-in-law is Japanese and my father-in-law is white. So seeing people speak English to her with a Japanese accent is something that happens all the time. I don't even think they know that they're doing it. And then he said when he was talking about the, the age gap and that you know like straight up racism um depicted he said well that's different i think it would be a mistake to tell a period film through the eyes of 2021 you can't have a crystal ball ball um you have to be honest to that time not that it would happen right now not that it wouldn't happen right now by the way um the the reason that i am not bothered by the age difference um or or the, or those two scenes uh, in the Japanese restaurant um, is because 
I th- I really believe in you. This shows up in the way t- Paul Thomas Anderson what is depicting even these characters. These characters aren't wearing makeup. Uh, Cooper Hoffman has pimples on his face. Um, Alana Heim doesn't have any, any makeup on. Everyone is just kind of run around um, dirty, and he's trying to show what this time was really like. Um, so I think he's looking back at this time period w- when he was growing up with this very intentional recollection even to the uh, the dark spots um and even in the way that uh bradley cooper treats alana heim and how the photographer the school photographer treats alana heim is like mm-hmm. it's not okay you like there there are moments of darkness in the, this movie that are um overshadowed by how great like the excitement and love is that what it means to be a kid and what it means to like find acceptance with people in your life um, and so that's, that's my response. I'm not re rebuttaling, uh, by any means. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I interpret licorice pizza and we're yeah. at seven minutes. I saw, I saw a lot of discourse movie, so. going on around that similar to the discourse that was going on around Bruce Lee and once upon a time in America. Yes. That's a great comparison. And I just, my, my whole take on that is when the representation on your, when your represent the people's representation in this case the asian people their representation is on screen it's like not anybody's right for me or anyone else to tell them that they shouldn't feel uncomfortable because of a scene the way a scene is depicted like i saw a lot of people like specifically in the bruce lee thing shannon uh shannon lee bruce lee's daughter was like this is like i can't believe that quentin tarantino decided to show bruce lee in this manner and people were like hating on on mm-hmm. uh on Shannon Lee for saying that like that's her father like that's di- if it's disrespectful if we're, to her we're like what's our right to tell her that it's not disrespectful and if someone's it feels uncomfortable watching licorice pizza what is our right to tell them they shouldn't feel uncomfortable <laughs> or never about it so that's my whole thing about it but yeah the discourse going on on the on about those two scenes is crazy it, it it's so shocking that like I laughed because that's how I deal with like shocking like inappropriate inappropriate things nowadays and I'm um I can't speak for everyone who saw this movie but it's it is just like oh my gosh did that happen like sort of yeah. sort of scene so yeah. um we spent a lot of time on licorice pizza let's move to our number ones uh Eric all right oh my number one is uh this movie came out I did a couple laps at some of the early film festivals <laughs> Um, I think it was at Sundance, Toronto Film Festival, and maybe another big one. Uh, this one is Nine Days. Um, this was directed by a Australian Japanese director named Edson Oda. It's a supernatural story. Um, the it's about um, pretty some pretty interesting themes that aren't really explored um, in North America um storytelling or american storytelling about pre-existence so um there the main character's name is will played by the amazing winston duke and he lives in this plane and his job is to judge people's souls by interviewing them and determining if they're fit to move on to the physical life um it's a yeah, I remember hearing about this, and it looked yeah. really interesting. Yeah, it's an amazing story. 
Um, I think it has the best ensemble cast of the year. Zazie Beetz steals the show. Mm-hmm. By far, Winston Duke's Winston Duke actually gets to act in this movie um, instead of just like playing the character he plays in Black Panther um, and the Avengers movies. But um, yeah, he, he gets to really show off his acting chops and he plays a really broken, emotionally emotionally broken character um, given the circumstances that his character is in in the story. Um, Back Zazie Beetz, she's pretty much the scene stealer um, in the movie. Benedict Wong is in it, playing a non-comedic relief role as well for once. Um, Billy Skarsgård is in it, an amazing, another amazing Skarsgård, um, probably my favorite character in the movie. Uh, Tony Hale is in it. The cast is absolutely loaded. Yeah, um, it's produced cast. by yeah, it's produced by Spike Jones, 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 Jones. It, yeah, it, it it definitely feels like a, one of his movies. Um, and it's kind of also is an, a movie in, inside a movie. Um, these souls, um, they get to watch Will's candidates on TV that he picked to move on into physical life. Um, and it's a movie that unfortunately not a lot of people are going to watch, but it's my, my favorite movie of the year. Nice. Nice. I was very intrigued when I saw a trailer for this before. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what I, I where I saw this trailer. I was think it before it was Pig? Before, I think it was before Pig. I think oh, it was. really? They yeah. showed yeah. It, the trailer in a theater. Is it? Wow. Is it a neon movie? It is a Sony Pictures Classics movie. Okay. If I'm remembering correctly. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Winston Duke. I, I was blown away by Winston Duke and Zazie Beetz. The whole cast, mm-hmm. really. Um, really original story. And yeah, I, I, I hope people see this now that it's kind of on video now. Cool. Nice. Olivia. Number Our, one. Isaac, your number one and my number one are the same. I picked... Let's go. Pig. Pig is oh, my number pig. one. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, Isaac, I'm just going to steal your synopsis because you already have it up and I didn't think about putting it on there. Yeah. Um, so, a truffle hunter who lives alone in the or- Oregonian wilderness must return to his past in Portland in search, in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. And man, this movie—I don't even know how if I have the words for it. It's just it—it's so good. It was not what I was expecting. I don't know if I ever actually watched the trailer in its entirety because it looked. I think the I watched the first like ten seconds of the trailer, and if you watch the beginning of the trailer, if you watch it, um, it takes a really dark turn, and so I thought it was going to be scary. So I was like, I'm not watching this. And just the tone of the movie, um, with the cinematography, I was like, oh, this is going to be a scary movie. I'm not watching this. And then Isaac, when Isaac came to visit me <laughs> last last summer, yep, first time we had seen each other in person in like two years, uh, which was wild to think about and is wild to think about now. Um, we went and saw this, like you suggested it, didn't you? Yeah, and then and you were kind of like, we can, but yeah. and then you're like, but it, it looks scary. And then I was like, I don't think it's like a straight up horror movie, but yeah, um, it was the most unique thing playing. And so we were like, let's mm-hmm. do it. Let's give it a shot. Yeah, so it's, I think it's probably Nick Cage's best performance. Yep, I, I would agree. It's like, definitely like ever. in his pantheon for yeah. sure. Isaac, tell me, tell me, or tell us, what are your thoughts on it? Pig, um... Pig is not a horror movie. 
Um, <laughs> Not it a war is movie. A re- it is an anti-revenge movie. Um, and I would encourage everyone to go and listen to, um, I think, I think that the director, Michael Sarnowski is first, this was his debut. The, he has a great interview with, um, Sean Fennessy of the big picture, uh, about how this movie came to be and how Nick Cage got involved. He like this guy is, I think he's in his thirties. He's like pretty young, wrote this script and Nick Cage was so moved by it that he read it and said like, I want to do this. Like I want to, I want this role. And he said that, you know, just how Nick Cage came on board is really cool because he wasn't expecting someone of that caliber to come on board. Um, so we're going to be watching Michael Sarnowski in the future because he's going to do some really, really special stuff. But Olivia, you and I like walked out of this and we didn't even like know, like it was, it was so powerful Mm -hmm. how it weighs on you and how it like, especially weighed on me, um, thinking about like my relationship with my wife, um, and like just what we have in life that is meaningful Mm -hmm. because he was a chef, um, and he ends up telling his chef, uh, later in a restaurant where they're at and they're looking for his pig, he says, like, why are you doing all this? Why are you like doing stupid, um, um, like presentations of like pine cone with, with the main dish that you're presenting? Um, it doesn't matter. He's like, he says the critics aren't real. The customers aren't real. This isn't real. You aren't real every day you wake up and there will be less of you. We don't get a lot of things to really care about. Now, Dennis, where's my pig? It's like, that's, it's such good writing. It's such good. Like if, if it feels like we are talking, we're not painting a like complete picture. It's because we want you to watch this movie. Like also, I don't know if I can it. Okay. I here's, here's not for the same reasons, but in a similar way, I walked out of this movie theater feeling kind of like I did after watching Parasite after I watched, walked out of the movie theater for Parasite. It's it's just one of those movies that you have to watch that someone trying to describe it to you is not, it's not gonna be a good enough justification. Like, it's just not gonna be, it, the words will not be there to, to explain why it's so good. It's just yeah. one of those things you need to watch and experience for yourself. Um, it's, it's just a really moving, moving, film I, I i don't i don't really have the words to to describe it yep to justify how good it is yep and yeah we we won't try to i feel like we sold like our from the bottom of our hearts how much we love that movie so yeah wow. we have we had some great picks um do we have time for our lightning round or are we running too far over i feel like we're running too far over if if it's a true lightning round where we like we just say it and don't elaborate. Great. Sure. Eric, Let's do it. Eric, you, you down? Let's do it. Cool. Number one, most watched movie for me. Loving, Moonstruck, also has Nate Cage in it. Spider-Man No Way Home and Midnight Special. I think Jeez. I saw each of those twice. Ooh. All right. For me, it was No Way Home, Black Widow, Mean Girls, and Clueless, which feels really on brand. <laughs> Makes sense. Mine was T2, Judgment Day, and Crouching Tiger, and Dragon. Nice. nice. How many times? Three. 
I think. Nice. Nice. Most disappointing movie for me last night in Soho. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just sorry to say you're, you can't can't elaborate. You can't elaborate. elaborate. Yep. No. Wow. Can't do it. So for me, it's the green Knight. (laughs) There we go. Mine was uh, the Eternals. I didn't even see the movie. I'm just going to say Eternals. (laughs) (laughs) that's fair most memorable performance alana heim and licorice pizza rachel zegler in west side story and john cena and daniela melchior at suicide squad and nick cage and pig uh for me it is nick cage and pig and francis mcdormand and nomadland and jared leto and house of gucci just because (laughs) never mind i'm not elaborating i can't elaborate go ahead we know why we We know know why why. everyone knows why (laughs) jared leto house of gucci (laughs) That's funny. Uh, Konnichiwa. Is uh, Rebecca Hall in the Night House. One and only. Favorite scene, West Side Story, America. This number is incredible. I hadn't thought that far ahead whenever this came up. And so on the spot, I'm going to say the scene in Last Night in Soho, the dancing scene that we talked about earlier. That was a really cool scene. Moving on. Eric. Favorite scene is the police station scene in Malignant. Okay. Um, favorite score, Dune, obviously, Hans Zimmer. Um, favorite OG song was All Eyes on Me by Bo Burnham. And the Spider-Man soundtrack is really amazing. Really, okay. really amazing. I'm just going to stick with what the original prompt was, which was favorite score, uh, Shada <laughs> Isaac. Uh, I'm going to go with Minari. Nice. Okay. My favorite score is The Night House. Excellent. Um, favorite theater experience tie between Spider-Man and how exuberant and exciting that was and all the bewildered friends that I brought to see to see the great night. (laughs) (laughs) I was one of those bewildered friends. All right. My favorite is uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Mine is the Suicide Squad. Nice. Nice. The uh, would go back and not watch that if I could award for me it's Nocturnal Animals that movie is like the epitome of pretentious that is a pretentious Walter, movie I, I cannot yeah. stand that movie that wow. movie is Walter, very pretentious that's a true pretentious movie I'll have to watch it Mike Shannon's <laughs> good in it though alright mine is The Green Knight sorry for bringing it up again but I love you Dev Patel if you ever listen to this uh, mine is uh, The Eternals trailer <laughs> just a trailer. You really hate the Eternals it. trailer. I love it. Which actor, actor, director, <laughs> entity won film this year? For me, I it was Sean. It was Timothy Chalamet. Question you, at all? What? Did you just you come up that? with that one? Just I now? added it earlier. Today. I did oh, not see on. that. All right, let's skip it. Let's For skip the people it. People prepare. Who's the best live action Spider Man? For me, it's Andrew Garfield. I don't. I don't know ever how to answer this question. So I'm, I'm passing. I'm, t- I'm passing. I'm sorry. Uh, Spider Pig from the Simpsons movie. There we go. <laughs> That's a live, live action. action. I'm going uh, to jump in on Tobey this Maguire. one. Tobey Maguire for yeah. you. I'm going to jump in and say Andrew Garfield. I think um, Spider-Man No Way Home solidified it. Best TV series or season that you watched this year. For me, it was Cowboy Bebop Sublime. Uh, the live action? I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Soprano. I finished the Sopranos finally. Oh, I'm going with Sopranos. Go. Let's go. So you're gonna understand all the Sopranos memes now when you see them on Twitter. I mean, I was I under I already understood them in their entirety. It's just I finally understand. Sorry. Moving on. We're moving nice. on. Mine Eric. is a uh, Banshee. 
Banshee. Oh, I love Banshee. Um, honorable mentions for me: Summer of Soul, Bad Trip, Matrix Resurrections, Blow the Man Down, Moonstruck, Minari, Training Day, Army of Shadows, and Raw. Uh, for me, it's Velvet Underground, Suicide Squad, The Last Duel, Cruella, Tiger Tail, Emma, and Ooh. Taylor Swift's All Too Well music video. <laughs> Mine is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Nice, Ooh, nice. yeah. Hot takes: Matrix Resurrections uh, should be the template for sequel and reboots moving forward. Mine is just because it's pretty doesn't mean it's good. Wonder what you're talking about there. I don't <laughs> know. To say, uh, <laughs> mine is watch a movie or two made outside of Hollywood. Oh yeah. Go. Best movie hang moment. Um, uh, real real quick, we had a friend go home because he was scared of watching Insidious, and he sent a picture. <laughs> of his uh, Amish fireplace and it was on and the whole picture was washed out and it looked like he and was red. in hell and yeah. Walter texted him back to our he texted this to our entire movie group and said Jaybo that looks like you're literally in hell and it was <laughs> he was like I'm safe hilarious. and not scared anymore and I'm like this is you should be the most scared you've ever been in it your life it looks like you're right straight now. up in hell <laughs> um I don't I don't know what my best movie hang moment is. I've had a weekly movie nights and that is always a good time. So I'm just saying collectively movie night. Nice. Um, oh, for this one I put, I don't know what a movie hang is. Is this like watching sports with your friends, but with movies instead? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I forget you don't yes. watch movies no, with, don't watch your movies friends. with people. No. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Um, favorite episode record this year for me it's definitely Days and Confused shout out to Eric nice okay uh, mine's Halloween oh. which I think was another Eric pick nice mm-hmm. mine, I'm siding with you on that one Olivia mine you. is I'll just go Days and Confused and Halloween there Aww. we go there we go an actor you miss and want to come back next year Alden Ehrenreich for me uh, mine's Lindsay Lohan slash Rachel McAdams I'd like to see them both nice mine is Michael Fossbender, but I'm very glad that he is uh, chasing after his passions of being a Formula One racer. Yeah, he's having tons of fun. <laughs> yeah. I what? I feel like he won't. Yeah, he's a Formula yeah. One wow. racer. His YouTube channel is amazing. You have to yeah, watch his nice. YouTube channel. Okay, that floored me. <laughs> I'm jumping in to say my answer for that one's Andrew Garfield. There we go. Okay. Um, best trailer for a movie you released last year for me, The Batman. Mine is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Part Mine. one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mine is Top Gun Maverick. Ooh, yeah. Oh my gosh, chills. Goosebumps just yes, thinking about it. Yes. Most anticipated film in 2022. For me, it's The Batman and The Northman, the new movie from Robert Eggers. Oh, nice. Uh, mine is Across the Spider-Verse and The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is yes. the Nick Cage movie. Nice. Mine is Top Gun Maverick. I'm excited about that. <laughs> I'm going to have to I see that too. in IMAX, dang it. I am yep. too. I'll, I'll yep. go back to theaters for that. Yeah. Guys, we did it. We made it through only an hour and 47 minutes. Um, Thank you to Walter Lyle for producing this episode. Our music, he's the goat. Our music is by Jordan Cox or his his stage name, Jordan Jocks. And um, our art is by Macy Lummis. Please check out both of their... Wait, 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 wait. Are we ending right here? We're, we've been going, yeah. I know, no, no, it's good. No, it's fine. I oh, well, you have to give your top can, ten. Can, can, yeah, just, just a lightning round. Yeah, I'm, lightning I'm not going to expand on any of them. I might expand on one of them because I feel like I, had, I would have to. But I'm going to do it real quick. This, all this is in no particular order. No particular order of my top movies of the year. Um, Shang Chi, um, uh, Shy Rack uh, was another one watching our movie group was really good. Uh, Monos or Monos, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. Um, also really good. Uh, Vice 
Um, I mean, I'm a very political person. It was very cool to watch that. I think it was very well done. Um, The Uninvited, uh, which is another horror movie based on, was it a Korean or Japanese? It was based on the tale, A Tale of Two Sisters. Yes, which is Korean. Got you. Thank you, Eric. Um, Actually, in the past few days, watched The Social Network for the first time. Really loved it. Social Network's on there for me. Um, I do have to put No Way Home on there as well, just because of the theater experience that we all shared. Um, Alien, which I watched for our podcast. Um, I really enjoyed that one. And the final one, this is not number one, because again, it's no particular order, but I'm leaving it the last because I need to explain it. Kissing Booth 3. (laughs) Hold your applause. Okay. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) Kissing Booth 3 is... The Kissing Booth series is, is... a trilogy of some of the worst made movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but I is my, my wife and I it's just one of those it's one of those where it's just like it's not only a guilty pleasure, it's just a pleasure because of how bad it is. Mm-hmm. And so the conclusion of the Kissing Booth trilogy was just um amazing for us. Super fun watch if you like to watch bad movies for fun. So that's why I expounded on that one. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Cool great cool. list honestly that yeah i know i'm not even saying that sarcastically that do you think you can edit, i appreciate it do you think list. you can edit out earlier where i started listing everything as far as the what? outro or should we just leave it oh in? yeah no you can leave it in i don't care okay. I'm, yeah. we do this organic we do it raw that's yeah. how we do it that's true yeah. just like the movie <laughs> we find we eat some the movie raw we eat some uh, rabbit liver and then develop a taste for human flesh <laughs> I'll take your word for it. (laughs) Such a crazy movie. Olivia, you will never watch it. I (laughs) I would love Olivia to watch it. Oh, man. Oh, man. Real quick before we end it on uh, on that note, though, um, Isaac or anybody else, uh, what's our next episode going to be? Do we know? We don't know. (laughs) We We don't know. It's going to be a surprise. How about that? It's it's a surprise to us all. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) We are having right. we are having a meeting to determine the slate for 2022, but we are gonna mm-hmm. um, just age, continue to age like fine wine, like a Hell like yeah. a three year old wine. Yep, I can't stop drinking wine. <laughs> I'm scared of how much I need wine. That's a I think you should leave reference for anybody who's yep. seen it. Anyway, um, okay, yeah, that's all I got. Thank you to Walter Lyle for producing this episode. Thank you to uh jordan jocks or jordan cox however you may know him for our amazing theme music and thank you to macy lummis for our artwork it is truly something else um we're so excited to support artists like you go and check them out if you're listening to this episode eric so glad you could uh come back very good we hope hope to have you on more episodes glad Um, to be back even though you're the hardest working man I know. Nah, I'm um, actually very lazy. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, uh, hope you uh, can turn the heat on in your room and warm up yeah. a little bit. You know, Olivia, you know, th- this is what I do for the podcast. It's like 40 degrees outside, and I have th- the heat turned off because I don't want it running. <laughs> because Into it would the be pick, it, yeah, the wow. mic would pick a dedica- it up. A dedicated That man. is true. Dedication. Sacrificing your body. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> It's like it's like All it's right. like sacrificing your body for the ball in basketball, <laughs> except it's the podcast. You know, it's like exactly totally carries over. There you Olivia, go. The stakes are mu- the stakes are much higher here. I still, Olivia, I still love you, even though we have completely different takes on the Green Knight. <laughs> I think it makes it great. I think that's what makes our podcast our podcast. You know, yeah, absolutely. Hey, I I still love you, even though we have completely different takes on the Green Knight. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 
Thank okay. you all. <laughs> we will see you later. Never know how to end this. Okay, bye.